episode 235 for June 2013. This episode of the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by MailOrderComics.com. They have discounts that start at 38 and they go up to 75% off the cover price of new comics and trades. An example on this episode is Venom number 39. In this one, Venom's secret identity is discovered and a hit has been put out on his life and he gets a new sidekick. That is a lot of stuff happening in one issue. The cover price is $2.99. Mail order has it for just a buck eighty-five, which is 38% off the cover price. So check them out at mailordercomics.com. Hey, we've got uh, Kevin on the line now to tackle spider satellites. And we've got how many books for the month of May came out, buddy? We have an even six books out of five titles. All right. Well, you want to start with the best or the worst first? What do you like? Well, I'm going to do my usual do them in order, but I'm going to tell you this month we've got more worst than best. Well, that's no good. That's no good. <laughs> actually, to, to be fair, it's looking actually like middle of the road if you really get down to it. But let's let's just dive in, okay? Okay, hit it. What do we got? What we got first, the oldest book at this point, is Avenging Spider-Man number 20. This was part one of the Chameleon Sanction. Uh, you'll notice later we're going to be talking about part two, so that's why there's six books this month. Uh, and this one, basically, Otto gets onto the Shield Her- Helicarrier, which I can totally say, um, <laughs> where Chameleon's being held so Otto can break Chameleon out, but the Helicarrier, see, I can say it, is attacked at the same time by a group of Russians who want to kill the Chameleon. Because stuff. Um, this one gets a C. C meaning just totally average here. There's there's not really much to dislike, but there's not a whole lot that stands out either. And I'm, I'm always surprised that this is the comic Yost is writing, since I really, really like him on Scarlet Spider. But yeah. his Avenging run has just been mostly mediocre for me, and this is continuing that trend. He, he's, he's stuck in the Peter David situation, as I like to call it. Remember, Friendly, you couldn't do much that changed his world that much. You couldn't change the character or move him around that much. So he's in a little slot, as you like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, um, yeah, Peter David the was, always was good. second or third fiddle with uh, Friendly Neighborhood. The thing here, too, is... Um, uh, Yo seems to be building his own story, but he's building it very, very slowly. So we're not getting a whole lot of that ongoing story. We're really just getting these very tiny pieces that I wish I could enjoy more, but they they really don't seem to hold up an issue by themselves very well, and this one's trying to hold up too. Bertoni was talking about how the ending's getting a bit predictable, how he's always trapping the Sinister Six yeah. in his lair. Yeah, we started with a jackal tease uh, in his, when he started this run, and then the building story has been collecting the Sinister Six, and you just want it to go somewhere, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, however, it seemed a little Avengers movie-ish with the, the Hulk on the helicarrier yep. and etc. That was a little... Yeah, you really only saw a movie Avengers... Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then the Hulk was rampaging on the helicarrier. And not only that, yeah. we see him fly out the helicarrier in what seemed almost like a frame-for-frame recreation from the Avengers movies. But he came back onto the helicarrier. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I guess. The movie, the movie, he didn't do that. This one, anyway. he was just now with added Russians. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair, uh, Yost is aping the Avengers movie less than most people in Marvel Comics at this point. So. Oh, who's doing the Red in Their Ledger? Was it Slot? We were uh, it about? was Slot. Uh, he used yeah. the Red in the Ledger comment, and then um, I believe it is, correct me if I'm wrong, Kelly Sue DeConnick is writing Avengers yeah. Symbol, and she right. uh, recently did a story titled The Widow's Ledger. Right, right. So it's just, I, I love Joss Whedon, but I didn't even like that line in the movie when she repeated it like three times. <laughs> and now, like, everybody in the comics is saying that. Right. All right, what else we got? Uh, well, next up is, uh, let's call this our bright shining moment, looking towards the light for the month, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 23. Oh, this was a good one. Thank God for Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez, seriously. Uh, in this comic... It is one year later, but not yep. uh, not like DC Comics. It's just 
This is dumb. <laughs> uh, Miles is no longer Spider-Man, as promised. He is dating, bum bum bum, Katie Bishop, which you should recognize her name uh, from the regular universe. Kate Bishop, female Hawkeye, young Avenger, Spider-Woman, yep. um, in a complete turnabout, wants her t- wants him to uh, fulfill his responsibilities as Spider-Man. Uh, we get Miles and Jefferson, his dad, uh, who's got an awesome beard now. Uh, yeah. run into Gwen Stacy at a Chinese restaurant, and they are interrupted when Cloak and Dagger fight Bombshell outside. Yep. So, I'm going to let you guess the grade on this one. A. Guess again. A plus. Oh, my bad. No, I enjoyed it, too. <laughs> I enjoyed it a lot. I, uh, my roommate was sitting beside me when I read this issue, and more than once I said out loud, God, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> He kept looking over at me, and a couple of times he remarked, it's nice to see you enjoying a comic. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> um, you know, uh, talk a little bit about the the end of the Ultimate Universe. I mean, that, that's, there's, that rumor's been around for a while, and uh, I, well, I don't... The rumor's been around since, I think, before the first relaunch. Yeah. And we've already had two relaunches. It's still going strong. Bendis calls bullshit on that. And in fact, really? every time it comes up on his Twitter or Tumblr, uh, his response includes not only no, it's not, but some anger at the rumor because he's worried that it's, it might hurt things and the Ultimate Universe really is still going. Yeah. I, I caught up on the Ultimate Universe, or the Ultimates book. I'm just so so on that book. I, I know ended you up dropping it. it. Yeah, I, I picked up all three Ultimate books when they relaunched, but I dropped Ultimate X Men hard. Um, it was yeah, that one, I didn't even bother with that one. Just not what I wanted out of that at all. Um, and the Ultimates started off with Jonathan Hickman, and it was interesting, and then mm-hmm. it just got. A more and more bland. Yeah, I mean, it was it was not right bad. It was just I kept every time I read an issue, it was like I didn't need to read that. Yeah, I don't know how they're gonna do the Captain America president thing. I just well, don't. <laughs> Josh Fialkov uh, took over as of this week on the Ultimates, yeah. and uh, I like Josh Fialkov. He did a really good job on I Vampire. Really good job. Um, so I think he'll probably do a better job. I'm still not picking it back up yet because A, the previews haven't astounded me, and B, the artist is just someone whose style I really, really don't care for. And three ninety nine. Yeah. <laughs> three ninety nine exactly. if if it's three ninety nine and it's something that I don't need to review for this podcast, yeah. I, I really need a good reason <laughs> to pick it up. Yeah. Alright, what else we got? Uh well, we've got Scarlet Spider number seventeen. Um so basically Ooh. we're in the good period. <laughs> this this was my recommendation nice. for the for the month because goddamn <laughs> the opening of that book yeah I, where I he stabs the guy again in the hands I'm like hell yeah <laughs> uh, and I, I just kind of love the line like what are you doing back in Houston masochism <laughs> like that that's my key um, he kicked the all the X Men's ass, dude. It's like I, I was thinking of George Berryman always talking about how Spider Man has multiple time kicked the asses of the X Men, and Kane has joined the club. And <laughs> I thought of George as I read the book, and and was hell yelling as I saw the ass. Yeah, he handed Beast and uh, Iceman their asses, and then he <laughs> ripped Wolverine's heart in half. He killed him. Yeah. He killed his. He's dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's going to be back next issue, better. but still. He'll get better, but damn, he killed Wolverine. Yeah. You can't get over Killed the hell out of him. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I don't really think I need to do my rundown of this issue, because we pretty much just told people what the plot is. Uh, the only other thing to mention yeah. um, that drags it down a little bit for me um, is I really don't understand this killer bringing the teenage girl along on the assassination. He brought a Rassily with him. Why Kane did that? Yeah, like I get why we want it for the book, because the interplay with a Rassily makes the book more entertaining. Um, but I'm thinking of Kane as Kane. You know, this is this is a former, you know, outright murderer, assassin, killer. He's going on a killing, and he's bringing the teenager. I don't. Did she just come along, or was he like, "Ah, eh, come on, 
I don't remember. There was a scene where she asked to come along, and he was uh, making shows of protesting. But mm-hmm. then he revealed that he had already bought her a plane ticket. Oh, okay. Means that well, he intended for her to come along before she even asked. Yeah. Which, come on. I could I could see your criticism on that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's, it's not a huge one because, again, it uh, it worked for the issue in that it, it made it more entertaining. It's just that one, that was a really huge leap in logic for me. Yeah. I'll give you that. Um, a, pl- a plus out of me on this one. I give it an A. I give it a solid A. I think the... Yeah. the blip there takes it down from a plus but it was definitely a good solid A yeah why aren't people reading this book you know I think it's just one of those things that flies under the radar Um, you know you've got the title is Scarlet Spider and uh, people that are big fans of the Clone Saga are interested in that people that aren't don't necessarily even know what it is Uh, a lot of people that weren't Clone Saga people don't really know who Kane is Uh, Yost is doing a badass job on this book but he's also not a huge A-list name that's going to draw people to the book. Um, yeah. There hasn't been a gigantic A-list artist that's going to draw people to the book. I mean, Stegman was on it in the beginning, and he was great, but he didn't have the big name that he has now because he hadn't done Superior yet. Yeah. So it's just, it's not a huge combination for sales. It's just a, a combination for quality. So I'm hoping the uh, the quality and we get enough sales to keep it going for a long time. And I hope the word of mouth, like you and I and other people, will make the book stick around. Because I don't want this one to get canceled. I'm, I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. I didn't like the Clone Saga. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like a broken record giving it A's on my front page reviews and on here. But I yeah. it earns it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only blip it had was when it had that dumb crossover in the microverse. But, oh, that was uh, awful, but I don't count that as, as this book's fault. I mean, exactly. But they were trying to I, I spent years and years just worshipping at the feet of Jeff Johns. And even Jeff Johns got in, in, in those heady days of awesomeness, got into crossovers with other writers. And those other writers yeah. might not even be bad, but somehow put them together and the crossover just sucked. Exactly. This happened. Yep. yep. All right. What else we got, sir? Uh, well, next up we've got Avenging Spider-Man number 21. This will be part two of the Chameleon Sanction. Um, so in this one, Otto and some Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. agents fight Russians and an escaped Chameleon, and in the end, Otto is somehow able to smuggle the Chameleon away without them knowing, and adds them to his collection of the Sinister Six. And Collect them all. This one also gets a C. Yeah. Um, not a lot of different things to say about this one than last issue. It's fine. It's it's not more than fine. And again, you know, we're building towards something with the Sinister Six, but nothing is really happening yet. Yeah. It it, it it's 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 a B list book. I mean, it's a uh, it's not the main book. It's a B. It's a spec Spider Man book essentially. Or I, actually, I'd compare it more to Marvel Team Up than anything. Yeah, I feel like there might be kind of a almost an ideological issue in Yost's approach to it because yeah. it seems like with his ongoing story and everything, he's almost approaching this as wanting to write simply a Spider Man satellite title. And it's being wedged into team-ups. And it's also harder to do the team-ups with Superior Spider-Man because it always seems to be the question of, uh, do we want to do a team-up or do we want to do him fighting the hero? Or do we want to toe that line and have our cake and eat it too? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's going to be relaunched in another couple months and with the exact same idea. Yeah, yeah. So. it's going to be Superior Spider-Man team-up, but it's going to be, you know, same team, same stuff, except, yeah. you know, they, they say there's this huge thing that's going to happen in Superior Spider-Man that's going to necessitate that, but, you know, yeah. Yeah, something happens every month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I'm pretty sure yeah. I've already bought two issues that changed everything, so... You, you can only scream the sky is falling so many times, Chicken Little. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> And, anyway. and, you know, even if it's true and the sky just continues to fall nonstop, people stop caring after a while. Exactly. If it, if it rains, chickens make nuggets. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I know what chicken nuggets. <laughs> I did, too. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Um, this, we're about to go into the dark portion of the month. How many, how many reviews have we got left? Two. Two? But okay. you can guess what they are when I say it's the dark portion of the month. Uh, it's either Morbius or Venom. You hate both one a little bit more than the other. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> first up <laughs> of those two is Morbius number five. 
Yeah, you you dislike Venom more. <laughs> you know, watch the grades this month, though. Let's see what happens. Okay, all right. <laughs> so in this one, Morbius kills pretty much all the uh, the gangsters and the mobsters. The Rose reveals that he has Morbius's mom, and then it's revealed to the audience that the Rose's boss is Morbius' dad, and then I yawned for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, this one gets an F. <laughs> and I would concur. Yeah, you read it? Yeah, I read it. Hard it F, bad. right? I, I I have no interest in Brownstown, Brownsville, <laughs> any any of the supporting characters. I could give a shit. I I've never heard of his father. I don't I have any connection to his father. I don't I I'm the only passing interest of anyone besides Morbius in that book is the Rose and it, the one behind the mask is I don't even know who he is. So I don't even have any care. Well, I'm, I was interested in the Rose last issue when Me we too. introduced this master manipulator, someone who is the new Rose, who is an arch villain, and then one issue later we have a the Rose is revealed to have a boss making him not yeah. the arch-villain, taking away badass cred. And yeah. B, he draws in Morbius, reveals himself, and basically explains his plan to Morbius. There yeah. goes all his villain cred, just down the frickin' drain. Why Why arm your, your antagonist and telling them what you're going to do to them? Just do it. Yeah. Um, you know? It's just, this is... I'm hesitating to say this phrase. Um, Go for it. <laughs> it's this is really bad writing. Yeah. This whole thing is really bad writing, and I I I hate to just label it that surely, but I, it's just what it is. Um, yeah. it, drawing Morbius's parents into it, which you know have never had any bearing on anything. And Have then, we ever even had a sentence about Morbius's parents before? To my memory, no. I no. admit there is some material from the 70s that I haven't gotten to read, although most of it I've at least read a summary of. Um, so I could be missing some footnote somewhere, but to my knowledge, I don't ever remember anything about the parents. In fact, you know, but, you know, that's not surprising since we already talked about with uh, the point one Amazing Spider-Man issue and Morbius number one, we're retconning Morbius's history. He did not have a degenerative disease from the time he was a kid. There was nothing about his mother keeping him inside. He developed a rare blood disease later in life. Yeah. So if we're already in I, I mean, his childhood, I mean, then this is not surprising. And and not that it's a bad thing to mine his his history of his parents. I mean, it worked with Bruce Banner. I mean, we got to know a little bit about our main ca- and character. But I don't give a shit. See, there's a right way to do it, and there's a wrong way to do it. Okay. There is a way in which you can introduce these things organically, and Mm -hmm. there's a way in which you can, in the space of a couple of panels, throw in uh, we haven't heard of for 30 years as a hostage, and the dad that we haven't heard of in 30 years as a supervillain. And that just smacks of trying way too hard to make this story matter, to make us care, and to make it seem like an actual Morbius story after this mess about Brownsville that we've been getting for five issues. Because it's it's not... It, it shouldn't be taken lightly that issue five come, which would have been written, or at least dialogue-proof, probably written entirely, after uh, the bad reviews of issue one started. And that, I think, is why we get the Rose uh, having a little talk about how this isn't necessarily the story you would think of from Michael Morbius, but blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's clearly the writer talking to the audience. Yeah. And so I don't know if this stuff was thrown in to make this seem more like a Morbius story that matters. Uh, Or, I mean, if this was the plan from the beginning, um, man, did you take a long, wrong road to get here? Yeah. After that first issue, you're just like, Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you if you were trying to get readers that cared about the history of Morbius, most of them probably dropped the book after they read the first issue, if not then, the second. Yep. Yep. So, again, A, you waited too long, and B, again, this is not the way to do this. 
And as we've seen online, I, I, I don't think I've seen an official – the book is canceled, but you have. Talk, talk, the book has canceled in September. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, yeah, issue nine is supposed to be its last issue. Someone uh, on our message board linked an interview uh, with Joe Keating on CBR where he uh, confirmed that before the book ends, he will get to uh, finish the story he wanted to tell with issue nine, which is yeah. supposed to – it's – this one five-issue arc and then two two-issue arcs evidently was, quote-unquote, always the plan. Hmm. Although it was, it was intended to be an ongoing, but evidently these nine issues comprise the main story that he wanted to tell out the gate. Yeah. But I, I just, on one hand, I am, and I hate to say this, I hate to say this, happy that it's been canceled. Um, because it's a, well, for stuff, Morbius is one of your favorite characters, and for you to say that, that's awful. Yeah, it, it must be really bad. Really freaking hurts, actually. Um, yeah. but there, there are multiple reasons, too, and that's bad, too, that I'm glad to see it canceled. A, I don't have to read it anymore. It's a bad book that I was reviewing, uh, both on the front page and here, and the fact yeah. that I don't have to read it anymore makes me genuinely happy. That's awful. Yeah. B, I feel like every issue of this book with the title Morbius on it that came out hurt the character. It took, tw- what, 20 years for the guy to get a book again? It's a long freaking time. It was about 15 years. Yeah, it's yeah. going to take another 15 for him to get another on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure we'll see another Morbius ongoing in my lifetime. And yeah. we're probably going to have less yeah. appearances here on out because this is what people are associating with Morbius now. Even if they didn't read it, they just saw uh, the bad press. They read the uh, issue summaries about Brownsville crap that nobody cares about. You know, this this is a bad association for the character. If anything, he's going to be negated to uh, a supporting cast, like maybe of a team book or something like that. You know, I I I don't even get into the superior legion of losers of Spider-Man or whatever the heck that is. Yeah. I um I I still think a Midnight Sun book would work with him as one of the maybe you we were talking maybe a Dark Avengers bring that back and and uh put Ghost Rider Blade Morbius yeah I think if go after know, the occult Avengers, I think we're great when Bendis started New Avengers in uh, 2005 or the end of 2004 one of those two um everybody kind of looked at it as Marvel's answer to the Justice League because finally we had all the heavy hitters on the Avengers. All the not just heavy hitters, but the popular characters. And if that's the case, I, and it worked. Let's you know, there's. I don't care if you liked it or not. There is no argument that it didn't work. Right. So I don't think there'd be anything necessarily wrong with repurposing the Dark Avengers brand to be the answer to Justice League Dark. <laughs> Make yeah. a supernatural book. Give it to basically the old Midnight Suns, not that uh, not that crap we got in the Marvel Zombies that was masquerading as the Midnight Suns. Uh, <laughs> Who was in that group? That was, it was, Morbius led it, and it was just a couple of members. It had Werewolf by Night, which was correct, Hellstorm, yeah. which I could ex- accept if the characterization had been right, um, <laughs> Man-Thing, Man-Thing, why Man-Thing? Man, Man-Thing. <laughs> he was in the Thunderbolts, and he was basically a... A green transporter. Yeah. I mean... And then there yeah. was one of the, like, three or four interchangeable witch characters that all look and sound the same. Yeah. Um, so that was a that was a very poor version of the Midnight Suns, especially after I was so excited because the, like, final page of the previous miniseries was Morbius saying, it's time to get the Midnight Suns back together. I about shat my pants. <laughs> you William Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so you, give it, you give that kind of a book to... Morbius, Blade, Ghost Rider, Moon Knight, he's had mm. popularity. You bring Morbius nice. by Night back, which has a great dynamic with Moon Knight, because they've fought plenty of times. Um, mm. You bring back Hannibal King with somebody that can write him rather than the last time he came around, and for some reason he was a redneck that loved Lemonade. I have no idea where that characterization came from. <laughs> what book was that? Was that the Blade solo by Guggenheim? It was. Damn, damn. He was a lemonade-loving southerner. <laughs> just Who was the third member of the Night Stalkers? Frank Drake. Frank Drake. Yeah. What ha- he, he did? Um, well, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Asterix. No. Frank, <laughs> Frank Drake is as not dead as Hannibal King is, which is to say should be but aren't. 
Okay. Because um, in the end, the the Night Stalkers book ended with uh, them quote unquote dying, and okay. then there was this new Dracula introduced in the Blade Solo book that followed, and. Here's the problem. <laughs> the Blade Solo book was cancelled before they could do their final arc. And if you read like the back matter in the last issue, uh it reveals that the next arc they were going to do that they didn't get to, um was going to reveal that that supernatural explosion that was thought to have killed the two of them actually merged them into this new Dracula. Ooh, that'd be cool. It was a cool story because uh Frank Drake is a human direct descendant of Dracula and Hannibal King is a vampire. So you put them together, and it was this, like, Dracula revamp, and it was cool. Um, That's cool. The problem is, that never actually was published in a comic book. And then, like, a couple of years later, Hannibal King popped up in a Blade comic and made reference to Frank Drake being somewhere out there, too, so they just swept it all under the rug. Mm. And it's kind of a disappointing way to wrap that up. When you say a Blade comic, are you talking? Is that the Guggenheim, or what yeah, are we talking about? This is one of the like fifty short-lived Blade solo comics that popped up in the late '90s when he got his first movie. Oh yeah, there were a bunch, and then there were a couple more uh, for Blade Two, but most of them weren't. There was one. There was one by Bart Sears that was rough. God, it was awful. That was rough. <laughs> that was, that was ten, ten shades of ass. <laughs> Ten Shades of Ass, coming to a store near <laughs> theater near you. <laughs> hey, hey, Fifty Shades of Grey can... Be- Fifty Shades of Grey and Ten Shades of Ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad movie you rent in the back room. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I know like- Marvel, uh, I, I have resigned myself to the fact that under the current regime, I have said too many bad things and had too many run-ins with the current editors of Marvel um, that if I was them, I wouldn't hire me. <laughs> So I don't expect to be writing for them anytime soon, but if I, I could write love, a book like I, that, I would like I would just do that for the rest of my life. It would be so fun. Dark, Dark Avengers with Kevin Cushing. Yeah. I'd buy it. Man, that would I'd be my dream book. No doubt. No doubt. And last but not least, your non-dream book <laughs> is Venom. It's your least favorite of all the satellites you do, isn't it? It is. It's the one that I keep threatening to drop and let somebody else do for this segment. Um, but I just, you know, glutton for the punishment. Well, I, I, I read this one. It wasn't horrible. This is, uh, here, we're going to get into is it. The, is it the fight with Toxin and, and Venom in the school? Yeah, let me, let me Again. summarize it, and then we'll get into why it's uh, okay, go ahead. depressing. Um, so Venom and Toxin are about to have their big fight. They've right. been building up to for, let's say, too long. <laughs> and they're interrupted by the new symbiote slayers a.k.a. the hobo progeny of the alien-backed dude from the past couple issues. <laughs> the hobo prodigy. <laughs> yeah. And character designs are just as bad, for the record. There are just four of them now. Um, they, the symbiotes beat them, and Toxin uh, agrees to leave Venom alone until Venom loses control, which Toxin promises will happen. The grade on this, ladies and gents, is a D. Yes, believe it or not, okay. it just got letter above Morb. Frankly, I think this is about as good as this series is going to get in its current incarnation, and that is what makes me very, very sad. It's better than it has been with, you know, it's got more of a focus on Eddie and Flash, but it still doesn't make the writing and art that much better. And, of course, the fight between the two has been built up for a long time, once again gets derailed, and we never see it. Instead, we get more of the half-metal hobos. Yay! Uh, <laughs> like seriously, uh, Cullen Bunn seems to think that this whole idea of the sort of half metal alien dudes can carry a lot of issues. Uh, and I was done with it after one issue. And how many did we go? Uh, several. <laughs> but the worst thing is we're not done because after they're defeated, we still get a tease that one of the oh, yeah. alien things is still lurking around at the end of the issue. So yeah, I saw that. I don't understand how these story proposals are getting accepted. It is literally baffling to me. I mean, Morbius rightfully got canceled after its ninth issue, but this... This is limping along at 35 issues and counting, and it still hasn't been canceled. What kind of Venom flashbook do you want to see? Uh, You know, something more like what Reminder did. 
Mm-hmm. I wasn't the hugest fan of what Reminder was doing, and part of that was just because uh, I'm he Reminder really likes his like uh, gritty, dirty, supernatural, low end of the spectrum stuff. If what I'm saying makes any sense, if you've read the stuff, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, uh, I've read his X Force and. Venom, you know, etc. It's, it's, it's gritty. He loves stuff like the human fly eating people. That's that's his wheelhouse. That's his bread yeah. and butter. And, and that's like an F list Spider Man villain. That's not the stuff that I dig. Um, yeah. So I wasn't the hugest fan of his run, but his take on the character was good. Yeah. And when you have that at the heart of the series, that really helps everything else around it. When you don't have that, there's not much else you can have around it to save it. Yeah. And. Yeah, so I I want a Venom Flash book that deals with some of the issues it's been dealing with. Like, uh, you know, his alcoholism, of course, has to be an ongoing issue. Uh, the symbiote as monster or tool has to be an issue. Um, the problem is, whenever, they, whenever it's been used as an issue lately, it's mostly been with a hammer over your head. Um, yeah. And that's, that's never helpful. That's not a good I don't think we have any supporting characters as of yet that we care about either in the book, do we? No, we got rid of uh, everybody. He moved to Philadelphia, and we haven't really gotten any new ones. He met some girl that's at school, but we've seen her about one and a half times now. He just you know, yelled at her in the school, and I, I assume she's going to try to develop into a supporting character, but we haven't seen anything that endears anyone to us yet. I don't uh, Clearly, the way I'm talking about her, I don't remember her name. Yeah, same here. Um, you know, the, I... The art is really... Neat. It's not horrible, I, I don't think. It is, no. Um, I've seen a lot worse. Um, but if I'm going to get really mediocre art, the word I want to be able to use is serviceable, and yeah. art is always serviceable. Um, yeah. Serviceable to me means it tells the story well and at least gets the job done, and that isn't always the case even with this art. Plus... Assuming this artist is doing the character designs of these symbiote slayers, that is really, really poor. And play yeah. symbiote slayers is a cool title. Could have been a cool idea. But since it's alien metal hobos uh, that are designed like this, it is forever wasted. Yeah. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> that's the thing is, I, I read this issue, I thought, this is better. And then I thought, this book is never going to be better than this issue. This is probably the best yeah. this book will ever be. And that right. was honestly the closest I got to dropping the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one, a topic that we talked on the show uh, yesterday when we recorded, Spider-Man's going to be on a new satellite. Uh, this will replace your Morbius. The, the mighty Avengers he's going to be a part of. What do you think of that? Before we start that, can I just say that the superior yes, foes, superior carnage, and superior something else oh. are already replacing Morbius. My wallet thank you very much. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> superior carnage, superior foes. I bet you're not interested in foes at all, are you? Not even remotely. The only thing that makes me think it could have a chance is that Nick Spencer's writing it and he has done some pretty good work so there's a possibility but the the concept is just not appealing at all what what did you like of Spencer's um I read some of his early indie work um at Shadowline he did uh a miniseries called Existence 2.0 and then a follow-up called Existence 3.0 uh they were both really good they were really creative they were kind of um kind of a dollhouse kill bill thing going on it was it was very cool um, and then I feel his, like I've read his, some more okay. stuff of his at the big two. I can't remember exactly what, but he's he's got some talent. I didn't love his uh, Ultimate X-Men, and that was part of the disappointment for me, was when I saw the announcement was Nick Spencer writing Ultimate X-Men, I thought, well, Nick Spencer gets to build his own X-Men book from the ground, and that is exactly the opposite of what he did. So, And then he left early, so that, that turned into a, a disappointment. But I do like Spencer, and he's definitely a talented guy. That's cool. What do you think of Mighty Avengers, of the cast on that? Um, I am going to have to see. I, who's the writer? Oh, let me pull up the front page. I've got, an, I feel like I've got a... Uh, I looked at the front page stuff, and I saw a last name that I didn't recognize. Uh, well, I guess I didn't write the the the, edit, the writer. and The art is going to be by Greg Land. Yeah, well, there's, and, there's one cover that you posted that had a last name above Land that I assume was the writer, but it wasn't somebody I've ever heard of. 
Right. He's an independent writer. I don't recognize anything. Maybe. Luke Cage, Superior Spider-Man, Blue Marvel, She-Hulk, White Tiger, and Power Man. And Falcon was on one of those covers, too. And Falcon, and it looks like... uh, the And, um, oh, the uh, Captain Marvel from Roger Stern's run. What's her name? Photon. Photon, yeah, that's right. Um, And there's a Ronin on the cover, too. And a Ronin, yes. Yes, a Ronin. Um, yeah, I'm I'm kind of done being interested in who Ronan is after three times. Yeah, I could I could give two shits too. <laughs> I mean, I, it might be cool. It's just uh, it, it's kind of like when people were saying that we were glad there wasn't really a new mystery of who the Hobgoblin was because we've been there. We've we've been there on the mystery of who is Ronan like three times now. I yeah. we're over it. Yeah. So I yeah I know really nothing about this team. Um, there's very few people on it that interest me. Um, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, obviously. Uh, Luke Cage. I've, I did not read the Blue Marvel miniseries. I didn't read the Power Man and Iron Fist miniseries that introduced this kid Power Man. Um, no. I've not really read much with Monica Rambeau. So I doubt this is going to be a huge seller. I think, <laughs> honestly, I feel like they probably put Spider-Man on there to try to make it sell. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, I doubt there's going to be a whole lot of great Spidey material in there because he's more there as a cash cow. Also, mm-hmm. I, to be perfectly frank with you, I probably won't review it on Spider Satellites because it's not really any more of a Spider Satellite than Hickman's Avengers is, and I don't see that here either. Uh, Hickman's Avengers doesn't have much Spidey. He was in a little bit in the Savage Land story this was. month. Hickman does a really good job with Superior Spider-Man, but... I enjoy reading it, but it's also to the point where how is anybody still letting him on the Avengers team and not saying this is clearly not the dude? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, with, the, with those little kids in the, uh, the that were under the dome or something like that, he, the superior Spider-Man was talking to him. Yeah, uh, Hickman yeah. writes the superior Spider-Man correctly, but yeah. it's it's the dilemma with the entire concept that it's the fact when we see him in an Avengers book with the rest of the Avengers, it's ludicrous that they think this is the same dude. Sorry, I had to sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> I muted. I muted the sneeze. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's and, a read. Well, what what uh, was it? A good satellite month? Um, no. It was an average. It was. One. It was. I mean, if you're gonna do an average out, it is uh, right at C. We had two A's, two C's, an F and a D. Yeah. So yeah, this would be all a very midland month. All over the board. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? You want to talk about uh, the two superior books this month at all? Um. You so know, didn't I was, get hear your thoughts. I was People like about it that. before uh, we started recording because I figured there was a possibility you might ask me. Okay. Um, I didn't take notes on them because I think I knew I wasn't going to be on the recording. And the funny yeah, just your general is, thoughts. No, well, it's, well, I'm I'm trying to give that. The funny thing is, um, I don't really remember what happened in Superior Number Ten. Considering it was supposed to be this big thing, I remember Superior Number Nine is where he got rid of Peter's memories, and then I remember what happened in Superior Number Eleven. I don't really remember there being much in between. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's not a good thing that, to happen. That kind of tells you something, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Um, it was his first issue without Peter Parker's memories in his head. I know that. Um, Mary Jane was rescued by Pedro. Oh, yeah. Yeah, MJ's was on fire. Remember them? Yeah, we had the Goblin Kitties. And, and the go- oh, the Goblin King it was yeah. at the very end of 10. What do you think of that? I don't necessarily want to talk about it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know. I read that and just... It made me sad. Um, yeah. It also is one of many things that make that keeps making me think I really need to be writing Crawl Space right now. Um, yeah. Because it's just, if I had more time, I would totally be writing it because it occurred to me, especially lately, that I originally started writing... Spider-Man Crawl Space because of One More Day. And so my thing was, there is no comic being published with uh, the original Peter Parker with his history intact, so I'll offer one. And frankly, now we're at a point where there is no comic being published with Peter Parker, full stop. Yeah. So if there was any time for Crawl Space to exist, it really would be now. I just need the time to start writing it again. I have the story in my head. 
Better watch it. You're gonna you're gonna talk yourself into writing it. I know, man. And it, I, <laughs> I still think about it all the time, and I want to yeah. do it, but yeah, it's a matter of time. And we lost the URL. <laughs> <laughs> crawlspacecomic.com. Here, let me see where it points now. Well, we're like, I'm, what, about to hit like three years since the last issue came out, so. Yeah, let's see where it points. Uh, someone bought it up. Oh, it's some other language. Uh, gar- oh, yeah, it's in Japanese. Let me, yes, translate it, Google Chrome. Let's see what we're talking about here. Yeah, go to crawlspacecomic.com. Let Megato Tetracone. Dental implants <laughs> is a medical treatment to compensate for the loss of teeth. Oh, well, that makes sense. All right. Well, that's a dental implant website now. <laughs> for our listeners, if you don't understand what the hell is going on, uh, there are these like Asian Internet companies that will buy up URLs that have expired uh, yeah. Uh, with the intention of selling them back to you at much greater cost. It's not like somebody really wanted the URL, crawlspacecomic.com, for their Japanese dental site. They want Kevin to pay some money. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, not going to happen. It's the same thing that happened to spideydude.com, which is why it now has a dash in it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yep. All right, any uh, recommendations or final uh, thoughts uh, before we wrap it up, sir? Uh, actually, we haven't mentioned 11 yet. Um Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Just a quick thing on that. Not very good. I was uh, like I was disappointed with Eleven, considering it's uh, scripted by Christos Gage, who I very much like. Um, it was very mediocre, and I thought the dialogue was actually really not very good. It's it's sort of an inherent problem with pitting Otto Octavius against Alistair Smythe, and your take on both villains is that they're grandiose over the top, and that's how they talk. So you just really have a lot of cheesy grandiose over the top villainry, um, and when that's both sides of the coin in an issue, it does not make for a very good read. You you line up with the rest of the reviews, what we said. I gave it a C, a lot of the others gave it a C or a D. Yeah, it wasn't terrible, but it was. I was just reading it like, this is not great. And I think exactly. a lot of that is probably owed to, and I, Dan Slott has said more than once, so I'm not just talking out my ass here, that he likes to use the quote-unquote uh, Marvel style of writing comics, which, if you don't know, comes from um, the old days of Stan Lee. Uh, you, the writer writes out a plot for the comic book issue, sends the plot to the artist. Um, the plot could be as uh, limited as, like, I typed up two pages of what it's about, or it could be as detailed as to describe what happens per page. It depends yeah. on your style. Um, this is what's sent to the artist instead of the usual modern comic book script. Um, and then the artist basically defines what the entire comic is going to look like, what the beats are going to be. They come up with, they come up with what the panels are on the page. It's completely their own thing. Um, and then it goes back to the writer who, based on what the artist decided to do with panels, dialogues it. They, mm-hmm. they decide what's going to be in those balloons. Um, now, that's how Dan Slott has said he likes to work. To each their own, if that's his thing, whatever, I cannot imagine working that way. That sounds just uh, like awful to me as a writer. Um, mm-hmm. But this comic is credited as plot by Dan Slott, script by Christos Gage. Right. If that means Dan Slott did his usual plot side, sent it off to the artist, and then Christos Gage was left to dialogue the thing, then I can kind of understand why this is the product you come out with, because he, that doesn't really allow for a lot of great writing. It's very limited. You have to look at these panels that are defined by two different people, slot in the dialogue that you think goes there. Right. It's not a good yep. way to write. <clears throat> Well, hopefully next month is better. I expected to see the Green Goblin in this issue, but uh, I guess not. Yeah, I mean, we got, like, a couple of Spidey villains in here, and uh, Smythe is uh, upgrading people, including Boomerang, who's supposed to be one of the stars of the foes. I said on the show they essentially got one-ups. How did these little machines fix them so well? Yeah, it's a very... It's it's very much a deus ex machina, but it's, it's not the kind of... Deus Ex Machina that is odd in comic books, so yeah. I'm willing to let that part slide. That didn't really bug me necessarily. Oh, no pun intended. Uh, <laughs> it was yeah, it was just mostly 
the the dialogue, the writing, the whole kind of style of it just was me. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts before we wrap it up? Any recommendations or anything like that? Sir? I'm gonna recommend very strongly that if there is a theater near you showing it. Uh, you need to go see Much Ado About Nothing, Joss Whedon's new Shakespeare film. Yes, Shakespeare film, don't be afraid if you're not usually into Shakespeare and you're thinking it's all stuffy. It is really, really not stuffy. Um, what you got here is a lot of actors that know exactly what they're doing uh, with this dialogue, with this language. Uh, Joss Whedon knows exactly what he's doing with it. And it's a comedy. It is... Basically, um, I was lucky enough to go to a Q&A. Uh, I saw a screening of the film last night when it came out in L.A., and it had a Q&A with Joss Whedon and some of the cast. And uh, Joss Whedon basically described the film as, or the story, as it's a, a weekend-long party that gets way, way, way out of hand. Yeah. And uh, that's what happens in the film, and this was basically uh, a filmed as they had kind of a two-week-long party making it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he did this in two weeks while he was editing The Avengers, and uh, I swear to God, it looks like it took so much longer than that because it's just so well done. It's done with such love and care. It is hysterical. It is. It might be Shakespeare, but it is laugh-out-loud funny, not just from the dialogue, but, I mean, some of these guys are really great at physical stuff. Nathan Fillion's in it and will make you laugh out loud. <laughs> uh, so it's right now it's only in LA, New York, and San Francisco. Uh, the idea was that how well it sells this weekend was supposed to define whether it gets a wider release soon. Um, and I saw news today that last night it did the best numbers per screen of any movie in the country. Oh, nice. So, uh, so yeah, it's doing well, and hopefully that means it'll get a wider release soon, and you have to go see this movie. It is so good. Do you recommend Star Trek? I do! <laughs> you, you mean the one starring Khan? <laughs> uh, yeah, spoilers, guys. Um, yep, so if anybody... I think we had a bet, sir. Time. Yeah, frankly, I think um, the listeners got screwed because if you had lost the bet, it would have been much, much funnier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would have loved you, that. You can, you can recite a love poem to me if you'd like. No, no, no. We had a bet. I'm good. <laughs> okay. So, so the, what Kevin has to do is yell Khan and his... His, uh, we, we're going to test his acting chops. <laughs> we're going to... I want you to... Uh, uh, Hone your inner Shatner. <laughs> okay, so if I don't respond for a, a few seconds, uh, give me a break, because I'm going to take this headset off and take it a few, uh, a few inches from my face so I don't blow out all your ears. Okay. Um, so, yes, if you didn't listen last month, uh, Brad and I had a bet. The bet was uh, I legitimately did not think the villain of Star Trek at that time was going to be Khan. Um, Brad won. <laughs> I, I knew it as soon as I, I saw the midnight show and I was like damn <laughs> <laughs> who did you think it was going to be um, I didn't know at the point we recorded I originally when they started releasing information about this was convinced it was going to be Gary Mitchell um, yeah. and I maintain Gary Mitchell would have been great but Khan was great as well yeah. I just I really didn't think at the time, just from the advertising I had seen, it was going to be Khan. It looked more and more like it as we got closer to it. And once uh, once the movie started rolling, I could pretty much tell. Um, yeah. I, I, I was wrong. You liked it, though, didn't you? You liked the movie? Oh, I loved it. It was Me too. fantastic. Um, yeah, I saw Midnight Show. I was uh, not at all disappointed. Uh, very good. And, and even even the actors from the last movie, I think, even improved in their roles. They were really good in the first movie, but I think all of them really grew into it. I mean, Chris Pine's Kirk in this was so good. Yeah, uh, he sometimes reminded me of William Shatner in a weird way. <laughs> like he would give a look, and you're like, Chris Pine doesn't actually look that much like William Shatner. Um, yeah. Well, well I, I, I can see a little bit of it from the young Shatner. Yeah, it's just like it, it took me off guard a few times because he did such a good job, and, it, and he's he's never been aping William Shatner. It's not his thing, but he just played right. Captain Kirk so freaking well that I saw some some hints of young Shatner in there. Yeah, and, but yeah, the whole awesome. thing was great. Anyway, I've got a bet to uh, lose. So, all right, let's hear it. 
Khan! <laughs> Half of L.A. is now awake. <laughs> uh, my neighbor's apartment. You're what? I just heard something stir in my neighbor's apartment, like somebody falling off a bed. <laughs> <laughs> if you hear a knock on the door and he's pissed, I know. I'm <laughs> it'll be like, awesome. Looking at my door, waiting to see if this happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, frankly, you know, the other night I heard my Ugh. I heard some other neighbors with their window open, just like yelling at the top of their lungs in a sports match, so they can go screw themselves. <laughs> now, just say I just watched Star Trek 2 for the first time. <laughs> oh, does that uh, does that does that, that settle that, it? Does that make it even? Yes, that's that's. Uh, and now you know not to test me. <laughs> Fair enough. Just like uh, years ago, with the Kingpin dying, I felt invincible on bets with the crawlspace. Oh, yeah. And my my prediction for the Spider-Man the Superior Spider-Man will be 2099. I'm still holding out on that one. I, I need to bet somebody or something on that. I make no prediction. The only thing that's interesting to me yeah. is we've all been talking about you know Spider-Man 2099 coming back to the present. Yeah. Um, one of the covers you posted uh, that has like 2099 on top of the cement bird or whatnot and yeah, the gargoyle. If you look at the surroundings, are we sure 2099 is coming to the present and it's not superior going to the future? Yeah. Because the, the surroundings on that really look kind of futuristic to me. Yeah, I noticed that too. Even the, the bird is like glowing in parts. And, you know, we don't do that. There's, things, there's all kinds of things flying around in the background that don't look right. Yeah. So I'm wondering if... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's both. Maybe 2099 comes back, and then uh, Superior follows in the future. Maybe 2099 knows that Ock is uh, in Peter's body. It makes sense um, for him to at least know something's wrong, just you know, from history. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know how they'll handle that. I wish I had bet somebody about the whole Tiberius Stone, Tyler Stone thing when I brought that up because that turns <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir. Anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Uh, no. I think I've uh, I've conned my lungs out at this point. <laughs> that's a wrap on this episode. Before we go, let's give another shout-out to our sponsor, MailOrderComics.com. Another example of the great prices is on Morbius number 8. In this one, Morbius discovers that the Rose has an ultimate nullifier, and he's pulled the trigger. I guess that ends Brownsville, because evidently the next issue is the series last. But the cover price is $2.99, and MailOrder has it for just a buck eighty-five. So check them out at MailOrderComics.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. <laughs>